How do we revolutionize cancer care? What innovations can solve global food scarcity? Can the next big leap in drug development come from a place you might not expect? These are the questions that drive us on New Wave, a podcast where curiosity meets life-changing science. In Nova Scotia, a new wave of pioneers are answering these questions, from reimagining how we treat the most daunting diseases to tackling the challenges of feeding a growing planet. Their stories are as inspiring as they are impactful. I'm Taylor McGilvery. Join me as we dive into these extraordinary narratives. We're not just talking about scientific breakthroughs. We're exploring how these advancements touch lives, reshape communities, and pave the way for a brighter future. Subscribe to New Wave on your favorite platform. Be part of a journey that takes you to the heart of innovation and shows how, in Nova Scotia, we're not just asking questions, we're finding answers. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Everybody, this week's guest is Laura, a 25-year-old film school student with dyspareunia. This is a classic Termion episode featuring a longtime TMO listener and a conversation about something that affects over half the population with vulvas at some point in their lives. So listen up and thank you, Laura, for sharing your story. It's pronounced dyspareunia. One more time. Dyspareunia. Dyspareunia. Enjoy. Um, all right. Well, here we are once again and uh, excited 
to be sitting down. This is like the second time in, in I don't know, recent past that we are, we, we're kind of going back to our roots. Yeah. Uh, we're not talking to a sex researcher. A or, schooled person. Yeah. Well, well I mean, you are a schooled person. Yeah, I mean, but, Jesus Christ, Laura's, yeah. she just told us that she's going to <laughs> film school. Um, <laughs> but we're talking to someone about uh, just, a, just a regular old Jane about living life uh, as, as a woman. Um, but uh, I think we're going to be getting into some like some um, uh, female identifying anatomy issues when it comes to sex. And uh, I'm going to try it one, one time here. Dyspareunia. Yes. Th- I said it? Yes. All right. <laughs> yeah, Fuck yeah. Great. Nailed it. <laughs> so, okay. Before we get it, first of all, Laura, hello. Thank you for Hi. joining us. And, Hi. Um, thank you. Take a moment to introduce yourself to our listeners. Who is Laura? Well, hi. Yeah. Um, my name is Laura. I'm a current film student and uh, a late bloomer, as they say. Um, <laughs> hey. my, uh, my sexual debut uh, was made when I was 22, hmm. which was 20, interesting. 22 yeah, I guess, is I guess, a good number. Tw- yeah. And I guess that would be like a bit of a late bloomer. When, when was yours? I was, uh, I had, was just about to turn 18. Wow. Okay. I was 16. Yeah. Yep. There we go. I mean, I mean, late is relative, right? It is. I mean, yeah. There's, there's like we remember we 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 talked to a um a late bloomer who had, was was uh had their sexual debut around like 28 or 29 or maybe yeah. it was in their 30s, but that was really early on. So yeah. late late bloomer. How what what other identifying <laughs> um <laughs> labels do you use? Um. I don't know. That's a good question. Do you I just, use that when you meet people? Do you, you go, hi, hi, I'm Laura. I'm yeah. a film school student. I'm a late bloomer. <laughs> yes. Yep. Immediately. Breaking the ice. <laughs> no, I um, I like talking about sex a lot, actually, because I was really frustrated with the sex education that I got in school, which was, you know, you're like run of the mill. If you do get sex education, it's anatomy and mm. how to make a baby. And then as I started to actually wonder about the intricacies of sex, I was like, they don't really touch on communication or mm. sexual dysfunctions. And so I, I got really, really angry. And so I've, I've kind of been passionate about doing my own sex research, mm-hmm. if you can call it that, Googling. Now, I know that you, uh, you've been listening to Turn Me On for a bit. And um and when you emailed us, um, I hope it's okay to talk about this, but when you emailed us, you said that uh, you submitted a brain boner. Uh, yeah. And for folks, if, you know, if you're new to the podcast, brain boners are essentially just a, an opportunity for our listeners to send us an email, turnmeonpodcast.gmail.com. And uh, whether it's a question for advice or just, a, you know, just like a, an in- inquiry about something to do with your relationships or your sex life. And, you know, we take a stab at just giving giving our a very uneducated yeah. opinions on, on those friendly things. Friendly. <laughs> as <laughs> friends. Just as friends. Just, yeah, 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 just as friends. Just friendly <laughs> advice. Um, and we, we answered a, a brain boner from you in like way back in episode 164. Yeah. Um, can you remind us what the brain boner was and, and sort of give us a Cole's notes on what, I remember what it. we said? I, I actually don't. remember it. Oh, do you? Wow. Yeah, well, I don't remember your exact question, but I remember responding to it. I okay. remember that. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, at the time I had wrote in because I was about to have sex for the first time and I was really struggling with the idea of being vulnerable 
with another person because I mean, I feel like sex is the most vulnerable thing you can do with another person. And then in relationships as well, I had a lot of anxiety because it was really scary for me to just think about um, the fact that you can connect with a person and then one day they can just go, actually, you know what? I don't really feel it anymore. So Mm -hmm. see ya. And it's not anything that they could have done wrong or you did wrong necessarily. It's just like a potential thing that can happen. And so, yeah, I wrote in wondering, how do you like, how do you get past that feeling? And interestingly enough, I didn't actually hear the answer until uh, last month. (laughs) I finally got to that episode. (laughs) We should really send out emails when we answer. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we should. Yeah. Um, but Bridie, I, I loved your answer. And actually I was, I was listening to it in the car with my boyfriend and I started crying and I was oh. like, this is perfect. That was exactly it. You Amazing. like nailed it on the head. What did you say? I'm, I'm good. What, what, what did Bridie say? <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I, I know how I would answer something now, but I am curious if I, if you, if you wouldn't mind sharing <laughs> what I said. Um. Yeah. So from what I remember, I don't remember your exact wording, but you just said that you, you basically, you got to love you for you. And like, yes, that is a possibility, but if you trust yourself and you know that you're making good decisions for you, then that's all you can really do. Mm. Mm -hmm. Now, when you were in the car and you heard this, was this uh, boyfriend, the one that you had your sexual debut with. Yes. <laughs> oh wow! And you yeah. and you guys are still together. Yeah. Oh my god, that's uh, so, I fucking love that. That's so great. So it worked out in the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did. It's funny when sometimes we ask those questions, and it's like we we already we already know what we want to yeah. hear. Yeah. Because we know what we want to do, and we just kind of need like a little bit of validation. Yeah. But I would say the same thing. You know, I think when we talk about vulnerability, there's that aspect of like, uh, well, when you go out there and you leave it all on the and you just leave it all on the floor, whether you get rejected or someone leaves in the end, you can say at the end of the day, well, I gave Mm. I I was vulnerable. I gave my all. And and with that kind of, you know, trust in yourself and it's never it's never a mistake. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, congratulations, yeah, congratulations. on uh, on on currently being in a, a relationship that's that's lasted after after having those nerves before the for, before the big moment. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm curious about the so so let's get into this dispern dispernia dispernia. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> what is uh, what is dispir dispernia? There's too many vowels. <laughs> I know. It's fucking it's like D-Y-S-P-A-R-E-U-N-I-A. Dispareunia. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I might have chosen a different name, but you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What is dispareunia? Well, that's actually, before we go, go, that is actually a legit thing with, that with, um, in the health profession, it's been criticized before that a lot of like the stuff that affects people with female or just basically like sex related anatomy 
is are given these like pathological sounding names mm. that are really inaccessible for people to understand. Okay, yeah. now vaginismus. Yeah. Vulvodynia. Yeah. Provoked vestibule vulvodynia. You know what the fuck? Come on. How are we supposed to communicate that to our other healthcare professionals? Painful hoo ha. Just call it. Just call it pussy pain. I get that. That's one way. Yeah, that's one way. Oh yeah, it sounds like it's from a sci-fi novel, but um, so basically, dyspareunia is recurring pain during sex in the pelvis and/or genitals. Mm. There's two different types: superficial and deep. That's exactly what it sounds like. Superficial is um, at the vaginal opening upon entry, mm. and then deep is you feel it deeper in your pelvis while you're having sex. Mm. Um, and Dyspareunia can have medical causes like vaginismus or endometriosis or even IBS, but it's not always because of something medical that's causing it. And in my case, it's not anything medical. Um, so yeah, it can, it's really uncomfortable during sex. It can feel uh, even like burning or itching or just aching pain. Mm-hmm. And I... I, I wish I had, like, like I said, learned about this more in school because the first mm. time I had sex, I thought there was something wrong with me. Mm. Um, and th- the thing is, like, my first time was awkward, of course, but it was fun and it was like kind of silly. And I would love to just relive that moment because we were both, we had both gone in with like such curious minds because we were both each other's first. And so... It was it was fun up until we got to penetration, and then I was like, "What is happening?" Mm. Mm. And up to that point, like before before you had your sexual debut with your partner, um, like had had you? Because I know I know in in speaking to people in the past that have had things like uh, vulvodynia or like um, or uh, uh, vaginismus, like women who um, who haven't had sex yet, but have like, you know, inserted, yeah, inserted tampon or or like sex toys. Yeah, exactly. Like they knew like, oh, there's something up here. Was this like totally out of the blue for you? The, the, the pain? It was because I am a tampon user. Tampons are fine. Uh, I've even like a finger in there was fine before. Mm -hmm. Um, but then I, I knew cause my boyfriend and I started uh, talking in 2020 and he lives four and a half hours away. So we did meet at university, but once the pandemic hit, we were split. And so we're still a long distance. So at the time we, we spoke a lot about sex and what our expectations are and what we were nervous about and what we were really like, you know, we were just talked about it a lot. And I knew that although it's not necessarily normal, quote unquote, it is very common for uh, people to have a little bit of pain or discomfort the first time that they have sex. Mm. And I was like, okay, well, that's fine. I, was, I, had, I had read up. I thought I was ready. I was like, listen, I, I got the lube. I, I know about the foreplay. I, I got it. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the first time I 
I knew there was something wrong because I was like, this pain is too excruciating to be like your normal run of the mill mm. first time sex pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and was it and immediate, then, like, like immediate upon entry or, Oh yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, I was confused because I actually like, I couldn't get it in. And then I was like, Oh, and we tried, we like switched positions and nothing happened. And then finally it was like, it was like when you try to stick a plastic straw into another plastic straw. Oh, wow. Um, and it's just like a really tight fit. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, that was basically it. And then I was like, hey, this isn't fun yeah. or pleasant in any way. And so we stopped. Um, and then I was like, you know, maybe I should go to a doctor and ask about this. Mm. And I did, and uh, I, I did not have a great experience at the doctors, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I went in and I, I spoke to my doctor. I said, you know, I'm having this, this really intense pain. I know it's, it's, it can be common, but pain this intense can't be normal. And her response to me was, how long have you been having sex? And I said, not very long at all. And she said, well, uh, come back and see me in a year if it doesn't get better. Oh, whoa. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> and, um, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I probably should have pushed a little bit. Um, but I listened. Mm. I listened and I went back in a year. And I was like, I'm still having this pain. It's not getting better. It's in the exact same spot uh, every single time. And she said, okay, we'll do a pelvic exam. And that was a little bit traumatizing. I'm not going to lie because I know it kind of just sucks because I know from a medical professional standpoint, you need to be able to like actually examine your patient and check them out and make sure that they're all good. But I don't know, it kind of seems a little bit weird to me to go to a doctor and say, hey, um, I'm having this really intense pain when there's anything in my vagina. And they just go, okay, let's put something in your vagina and crank it open Uh so I can see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, the exam was awful. Had you had you not had um like a pap or anything like that before? Right? No. Okay. Yeah. Cause they don't usually say that you need those until either you reach a particular age or you become sexually active. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. What's the particular age? Do you know? I uh, could I could be wrong about the age thing, but what do you know? I would have thought I, like 18, maybe. I was told that. Uh, like if you're sexually active, it's, um, I think it's three years after you're sexually active or at 25. Okay. Okay. All right. So anyway, you hadn't done one because you didn't meet those particular criteria. Right. So this was your first experience yeah. with the, uh, what are those, what are those little, what's that tool called? Uh, the, uh, uh the speculum. Spe- the speculum. speculum. I was thinking duck lips. Yeah, that's what we all, that's what we call it. Yeah. 
So I'm assuming there was no etiquette of like, I'll just warm this speculum up under some warm water and I'll nope. talk you through. She already didn't. She had already, she'd already dismissed you for an entire year. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the exam went almost as bad as it could go. Mm. She, I, like, again, I had never done this, so I, I didn't know what to do. So she was like, okay, I'm going to leave and prepare the, the instruments. And you just take your pants off and cover yourself with a sheet. And I was like, okay, cool. And then I was, I was in it. And then I was laying on the table and she's like, uh, you have to scoot down more. Oh I, my God. Okay, listen. Fucking, if you ever say scoot to me in a casual sense, I will smack you. <laughs> Wait, wait. Is it because you don't like scoot the word down. scoot? Scoot down. No, because it's a pap test word. Scoot, yeah. scoot down. Scoot closer. But if someone I'm says, need you if someone says, hey, can you scoot over? You're I'd be too like, close. What are you, a gynecologist? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. That word belongs to their profession. How do you spell scoot? S C O O T. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. Scoot down a little closer. I'm going to need your whole vagina right in my face. You know, there's an airline called Scoot. It's a, a Singaporean low-cost airline, Scoot, Scoot Airline. Great. Scoot Air. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> pap, pap Air. Pap Air. Okay, so you <laughs> sorry, were told, sorry. you were cued to scoot to the edge of the table. Yes. I'm, and, already, um, I'm already uncomfortable. Yeah, you really, you really just need to put your vulva right in their face. Yeah. That is a thing that you do. Yeah. Um. And so, yeah, she, she looked at the outside and she's like, yeah, everything looks fine. She's like, I'm going to put lube on the speculum and then I'm going to insert. And so she warned me and she got me to do like the wide legs that they get you to do. Uh-huh. And she inserted it and immediately it was excruciating. It hurt so bad. My my legs tensed up immediately and I was trying to bring my knees together and she's like, you, can you just widen your legs a little bit more? And I'm like, no, I mm. want to kick you in the face right now. Mm. Uh -huh. Um. Anyway, I got through it and uh, she was, it's so weird because they try to distract you with like normal everyday questions. She's like, so do you have any plans this weekend? I'm like, fuck you. I just can't need you to speculum out of me. Shut up so I can just breathe through this. It's a breathing exercise. Oh, like, yes, it is. Even after you've done like, like does it hurt 50 you? of them. Does it hurt you? It does. Yeah. Not not excruciating pain, but it's not. It's like, dis it's like an intense discomfort. Well, you you have to like, like would you sorry for too much information, but you kind of have to <clears throat> push that speculum through like past tissue right. that otherwise just sort of like. Kind of collapse like what like like for because i don't have a vulva so so obviously i've and i've never had a pap smear yeah because i have a penis so to to help me kind of like uh sort of understand it like it would you would you and this is for you Bridie. this question yeah, would, sure. would you would you compare it to this like the feeling of getting like um and i'm sorry if this is fucking silly to ask but would you compare it to like the feeling of getting a uh, uh like a covid swab test you know like that feeling where like when it goes in and you're like this is not it, like where you're like that's it's not its first barrier why are you still pushing yes yeah this is not normal bit. to have this thing up in here it is because yes your your whole body responds to it yeah. like it's a foreign object right, in right, a right. very very vulnerable place right okay okay so it it it's like a 
you got to focus for that kind of relaxation. Yeah, right. And then now add on top of that someone who has excruciating excruciating pain pain when anything's inserted. Yeah, Yeah. right. Ouch. Yeah. Um, but I made it through. I made it through. She swabbed me. My results were normal. And I uh I went back to her after that and I was like, okay, so my results are normal. Like what is happening? And she's like, um, I don't know. Oh, I was shit. like, what do you what do you mean? What do you mean you don't you're a doctor? Mm-hmm. Refer me to somebody. Mm-hmm. What do your job? Oh my god, it was the worst. And so I basically did my own research. I found um a public floor physiotherapist. Mm. Actually, because of you guys, because Sweet. I heard the episode with uh, Stephanie Brown. Yeah. And so I was like, man, I wonder if there's one of those over here. And yes, yes, there is. Good. Um, you'll be happy to know that I have since switched doctors, by the way. Good job. Yeah. I, I found a much better one mm-hmm. um, that immediately suggested pelvic floor physiotherapy. So yeah, right. it just it doesn't take that much to just refer out yeah. if you don't it's good to say i don't know if you don't know i mean that's like a gp's fucking job out, you're right? a general practitioner you're not going to be you, you're not going to know much everything. about ev- yeah. about everything you yeah. know like you're going to know a little about a lot and so like as soon as it just fucking blows my mind it's like what like what is what is your job then you yeah. know like if you're if you're not if you're if you're not doing the the thing that you've been fucking hired to do mm-hmm. like is that is that it your your response is just to go i don't know yeah and then like period that's it get yeah. the fuck out of here yeah it's insane look um, I, and helpful. like I, and i don't like i don't like shitting on doctors because doctors are people and you know on my other podcast we hear it all the time people people fucking hate on doctors yeah and you know a lot of times it's not their fault but what the, this just sounds like a shitty doctor and if this person is yeah. listening to the podcast i hope you recognize this voice and you are like oh fuck that was me i'm a shitty doctor <laughs> i suck oh yes but i i continued with the public floor physiotherapy i was like listen i'm taking my own health into my own hands mm-hmm. so i went and i had my my first appointment and it was wonderful it was exactly what i had hoped for i love my physiotherapist so much she's amazing um what was that first what was that first experience like? Cause I, I know that they take a little more time before they just start jabbing things yes. around. Right. Yeah. So I, yeah, I walked in, I told her about my experience with my other doctor and she, I don't think like doctors are allowed to shit on other doctors, <laughs> but she just gave me a look and she was like, Oh, huh. Interesting. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Um, but no, she she spent her time speaking to me. She asked like where exactly I felt the pain. And she took a look at how I stood and how I bent forward, how I bent back, how I walk. Um, and then she, yeah, she got me to lay down on the table. And every step of the way, she's like, if you're comfortable, is it okay if we do this? Is it okay if we do this? She was constantly checking in and it was fantastic. And so she got me to lay on the table and she said, if you don't mind, I will, you know, like take a look down there. And I was like, yeah, go for it. 
And so she looked and again, the outside looked fine. And she's like, I'm just going to press a little bit just on your like vulva area and like kind of on your butt cheeks. I'm like, okay. And I was a little bit nervous, obviously, because again, a stranger I've never met is just Mm. fully just looking at my genitals. (laughs) Um, But she would no, she was so nice every step of the way. And yeah, there was a little bit of tenderness there. And she said, okay. And then she asked if it was okay if she did a manual exam and she talked me all the way through. She was like, I'm just going to use my finger. Um, you know, you can stop me at any time. I'm only going to go as far as you can go, which was amazing. And we worked that first session, even just working on some relaxation techniques and, um, one of my favorite things to do now is if I feel really tense, I'll do a really big Kegel. And then what she, uh, what she asked me to do is just imagine it melting away into the floor. Mm. And that really gets those muscles to relax. And so I've been seeing her for quite a few months now and I've made amazing progress. Mm. I have to say. That's great to hear. Yeah. Turn Me On Podcast will be back after this short break. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Subtle results, still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia 
gravis or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Now, just coming back to like when when this all started sort of presenting itself and in that span of time where like you were testing things out for a year before you went back to see the shitty doctor, um, were you like when you and your partner were going to try to have sex, like was it something that basically for that year, like you, you just kind of couldn't like what was sex between you and your partner in that 12 months of you trying to, you know, according to this doctor that you had just like sorted out because like the pain will probably go away is what I'm assuming that she fucking thought. Yeah. So like what, what, what was, what was your sexual experiences like within that, that span of a year? Um, so yeah, being really dissatisfied with her answer, I naturally went to the internet and I was like, is anybody else, this has to be not just a me problem. And so, um, actually the Reddit sex page has mm-hmm an incredible resource list. Hmm. It's kind of insane. And so I I had searched in there too. And they said, Oh, like dyspareunia. And that's when I first found out about like the term. And I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, interesting. This is a thing that happens to multiple people. And so I had read people's stories. And I had, you know, seen a bunch of things online on YouTube. And so we went really slow so what we were uh, what I was trying to do is kind of relax as much as I could and so for the first couple of times um we did a lot of foreplay we used a lot of lube um but it was still I mean it was still painful so what my counselor at the time suggested that I do because I was seeing a therapist as well she suggested maybe just take penetration off the table mm. for the time being, because I had, I like ended up in a paradox where I was like, oh my God, I can't relax because I have this sex thing, but I have this sex thing. So I can't relax. And I was like stuck in a cycle. So she was like, maybe just take it off the table for now. Mm-hmm. Don't yeah. even worry about it. Like it's causing you so much stress. And that's what we did. Like my partner is the most amazing person in the world. He wants me to be happy. Um, and one thing he says is like, if like, if I'm not having fun, he's not having fun yeah. and he doesn't want to even participate if it's painful for me. Yeah. So he was perfectly okay with that. Um, we both agreed to take penetration off the table and that's, that's what we did. So we were kind of just doing everything outside of penetration so it was still a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's that that's a really smart piece of advice, I think. Yeah. You know, especially where it's like giving you that mental anguish. And it's it's like you're trying to fucking enjoy something mm-hmm. that's a new fun activity for you and somebody that you really like. And then if there's that pressure on it, if there's too much emphasis on that being the the thing. Because I mean, like coming back to that note that you had mentioned earlier, which is like, you know, sex education, unfortunately for most people is very basic 
and and a lot of people take from that education that like sex equals penis in vagina like that is what sex is mm-hmm. which you know if uh like spoiler alert if that's what you think that's not that's not the, that's not it it's yeah. more that it's much more than that and it can look it can look a whole plethora of different ways for different people um and so it is it's nice to hear that your partner got that you know and like understands yeah. the the idea that like okay well sex is more than just sticking this in that you know like that's yeah. it's it's much more it's it's much more nuanced than that and and there's a lot more to it um so that's that's nice it's good that like you that you guys were able to find that that space and and be able to be in that and find pleasure there and it's interesting too that you said yeah, i was that- really <clears throat> sorry i think i cut you off there oh no that's all right um, it's a cool. It's interesting that you you sensed that it was like there was a, an amount of relaxation that you had to do, and then and then has that pretty much like you talked about the kegel. You talked about releasing into the floor. It sounds like it's been a pretty strong um, recommendation too by your pelvic floor therapist as well, right? Yeah, that's that's one thing that um, it, it ties into dyspareunia. Uh, a lot actually is like the psychological aspect of it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if it doesn't have a medical cause, it can just tie into your psychology. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, for me, I think it was psychological, uh, if I'm looking at a cause, um, and yeah, it's, it's important for me now to, uh, before sex, I, I honestly will kind of if I have time I I will meditate a little bit Mm -hmm. and just it's important I think for my body to learn that it's in a safe place Mm -hmm. because I think that's that's one thing that I was always scared of especially with the vulnerability aspect of it too is like well if I'm if I don't feel safe my body is not gonna allow me to relax at -hmm. all yeah. And so it's, it's a matter of um, just working with your mind mm-hmm. to, to go, you know what? Yes, it kind of seems a little bit scary, but you are in a safe place. You are with somebody that you trust. This is a safe experience. At any time, you can stop. You are completely in control. Mm-hmm. And so that that helps a lot. In, in, in terms of like <clears throat> the, uh, the research that you ended up doing yourself and, and the work that you did with your, your physiotherapist. Um, like I, I just, I have the, the dyspareunia, um, Wikipedia up here and it's, it, it's, it's really interesting. Um, uh, and one of the, one of the kind of wild things that it says here, and which is why I think it's like really important that we're talking about this right now, because it says medically dyspareunia is a pelvic floor dysfunction that, and, and affects up to 53% of adult females at some point in their lives. Um, And they also go on to say uh, later on, globally dyspareunia has been estimated to affect between eight to 22% of women at some point in their lives, which is kind of funny because those are two very drastically different uh, numbers. But regardless, if you take 53% or you even go with 22%, that is a large, that's a huge portion of the population of the world, you know, like, 53% 53% of all adult females is 
What is that? That's like oh, that's like twenty five percent of the population of the <laughs> earth. Like that's so yeah. many fucking people. Yeah. Um. So in terms of like the research that you did and the conversations that you had with your your physiotherapist, like, what are is is something like dyspareunia commonly um uh commonly like sorted out in in that people get to a point where it's no longer an issue. And if so, like, what are the, what are the, the parameters there? Like, how does that come to be? Yeah. So, uh, working with my, uh, physiotherapist, yes, I can absolutely get to a place where I will eventually have pain, pain free sex. Mm -hmm. It might mean that I continue my physio stretches daily for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. It might mean that I work with the exercises multiple times a week for the rest of my life. But I like, yes, there, there is a point where you can have pain-free sex consistently. Um, and it's, it's honestly just about doing the work. It's about doing the work with your, uh, physiotherapist. It's about, um, the psychology and it's about, um, working with your partner too. And like the whole communication thing, cause mm -hmm. that's, it's, it's really, really important to have a supportive partner when you're dealing with any sort of sexual, sexual dysfunction. Um, cause that plays a really big aspect, uh, really, really big part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, so for me, uh, yeah, I kind of just, I, I work my physio exercises into my yoga and I, I don't do them daily necessarily, but I do them multiple times a week. Um, and then I also use, um, vaginal dilators which have been mm. super helpful mm -hmm. i was gonna ask about that because i know some physiotherapists work with those is that yeah. something that came to you through your um physiotherapist i had actually i'd seen it mentioned on i think somewhere on reddit and i went to my local sex shop and they just happened to have like an entire set that was like <laughs> pretty perfect for what i needed and so i was like oh well, i'm just gonna get these and I, it, they come with like a little instruction booklet and I, I had tried them a little bit, but I didn't quite know if I was doing it right. So I waited until I started physio and then she was like, oh no, you're doing great. Like you're doing fantastic. You got it. Keep going. Um, and it, yeah, I, I still, you know, I'm, I've progressed with them quite a bit. I'm still not quite at the last size but i am almost there i'm almost there um are there other tools like other external sort of tools that that you've used in your physiotherapy or or is it mostly just exercises um i thought i had them with me but i have these like uh these little squishy balls mm -hmm. um i think they're sold for like hand grip strength because they come in different like intensities of squishiness mm -hmm. um and so you can actually use that to uh like what in my stretches i will at the end sit cross-legged and just put the the ball right um uh, like in between my vagina and my bottle yeah perineum like, Is yeah. yeah the taint yeah <laughs> and um 
yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll use that. Cause it, it helps to kind of. And like, it, you'll sit on it, like almost like a, like a, like a roller. Yeah. Like yeah. Acupressure. Mm. Yeah, right. I'm sure there's some, yeah, like yeah. a pressure point. <clears throat> cool. And then, yeah, it just presses gently up into those muscles. Uh, it's not painful. And then uh, once you take it out, I can feel my muscles really relax, mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting. So, yeah, there, there are a lot of tools out there to help. And like in terms of now that you've been seeing the physiotherapist uh, and and you're you're getting some there's like some leeway here. How like on, on you know, a percentage wise rough guess, like how often, if at all, are you do you find yourself having sex with your partner and, and feeling like, OK, that what that that little session we had was like considered pain free sex or or are you or are you there yet? I have had pain-free sex, yeah. which is the best. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. awesome. Um, it doesn't happen every time. Uh, the I think just sometimes the stars align, and I'm like, oh, my God, that was amazing. Um, but in terms of the pain that I do feel uh, now during penetration, it's not that much. Like, mm. I try not to go over, like, maybe a a three or four out of 10 on mm. my personal pain scale. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been pretty good. I find the longer I spend uh, with foreplay, the less pain I'll have sure. if we actually get to penetration. And if there is like, if there's any pain, you know, a one, a two, a three, does, do you find that the pain uh, like has an effect on your ability to be present or like have your having a like an effect on your ability to climax? Yeah, a little bit. Um, it it's kind of distracting yeah. to to just have that pain kind of pop up. And so what I'll do now is I'll actually just stop. I'll be like, okay, hang on, gotta regroup, reposition. Um, and so I, I have a better time, uh, kind of stopping what I'm doing to figure things out than I would if I was just like, I'll just try to ignore it. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah. And like I said, like my partner's amazing. So he's willing to try whatever to, to, you know, not let me have that pain. Mm-hmm. Are there more? Are there certain positions that you find more easeful than others? Interestingly enough, um, doggy style is which, easier. Which didn't make sense to my uh, physiotherapist at first. She was like, <laughs> "Really?" Mm. I was like, "Yeah." Is that not common? She's like, "Well, I mean, I guess. It, I mean, she said it depends on both people's anatomy." Yeah. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. Totally. So. Yeah. Um. Oh shoot! I had a question I wanted to ask about that. Uh, oh yeah, we well, it was more of a comment actually because we we had a chat uh, recently within the last year <laughs> recently um, with a doctor who talks about different reasons that um, specifically female identifying folks might not be engaged with their sex life, um, and one of the most co- like one out of like five of of the most like re- by research reasons that that we sort of lose the urge is pain. And she sex said points. like sex points. Yeah. yeah. 
And she said, like, even though for some of us, it like it may be at a one or a two or a three, and it might even be for someone who doesn't experience pain regularly, that one or two or three may be sort of on our radar, but subconsciously it can kind of prevent you from wanting to have sex in the future because there's pain associated with it. Um, so I just thought that might be an interesting thing to remind That's listeners. Cheva. Bacheva, yeah. Yeah, she wrote a book called, or Bacheva, she wrote a book called uh, Sex Points. Yeah, it was a really interesting take on. I've been uh, been reading it. Have you? Yeah, yeah, have, yeah. It's pretty interesting. It is, it's good. Yeah, Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it's a totally different take on evaluating your, Mm -hmm. you know, your libido or whatever, but, uh, but I, there's definitely some interesting stuff in there. Mm. And, um, and that was one of them. It really made me think because, for example, with different sexual partners that I've had, um, I've noticed that like I can't be in that position uh, for penetration because of the size or the shape or whatever. Mm. And however it's going in is just too painful in that, in that way. Mm. Um, I've thought about this recently. I wonder how much like height plays a role in that, you know, like, like the height of a penis? No, no. (laughs) (laughs) How tall is your penis? How tall is your dick? Uh, No, 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 no. I mean, height, like, you know, you're say you're a five foot four female and your partner is six foot three. Yeah. And you go to have sex in the doggy style position. Yeah. Like if you then had a new sexual partner and he was like five foot five, mm-hmm. you know, a five foot five guy on his knees versus a six foot three guy on his knees. Uh, yeah. there's going to be, there's going to be like a, quite a difference between like where his pelvis is sitting in, in relation to, to your pelvis. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I, I don't know, I don't know I, why I've been thinking about this. I've been thinking about it a lot lately. Yeah. Yeah. Like lately? literally I've been thinking about that lately <laughs> where I've, I've gone, oh, I wonder how much like height plays in, 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 plays a role in like in painful sex, you know? I mean, I would imagine to an extent that just comes into the same category as like, well, what's the anatomy? What are the different yeah. anatomies yes. of the two parts? Yeah, right. Like but it's I'm, not just the anatomy of your of your junk. You know, it's yeah, it's it's all things. It's the it's. I'm I, I don't know, but I'm I'm guessing I'm 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 hazarding. You're guessing. A guess There's that. some celebrity couple where he's like almost seven feet tall and she's like five feet tall. Yeah, the guy, the guy, uh, the mountain from Game of Thrones. Okay, sure. And, yeah, when I look at his, that situation, I'm like, this is a marathon here. Yes. Like, what if you want to make out? While you're having sex, you can't. They can't. No, she, no, she has to climb up him. <laughs> yeah, she has to climb to the top of the mountain, <laughs> give him a little kiss, Legit. and then slide back down to the base camp. Wow, Jeremy, <laughs> that was a, you have been thinking about. I this, have. Haven't you? I have been thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, I'm, I, the reason why is because I'm with a new sexual partner, newer sexual partner, and she's quite short, and probably I think probably the shortest person I've ever been with. And I just, I've noticed things in the bedroom where I'm like, huh, interesting. Like I've never, this, this height difference, uh, is, is noticeable. It, yeah. 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 It's like, <laughs> it's, it, it makes things, it make like, I'm noticing that like, I have to like brace in certain ways that I never had to before and like things like that were, and so I was like, oh, fuck, interesting. I've never really thought about that. <laughs> so. Is your, uh, is your partner, uh, much of a height difference in you, Laura? He's seven, three, isn't he? <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm actually quite short myself i'm only five three um he's gosh i don't know how tall he is he's under six feet i think 
<laughs> average, average, average height. Uh-huh. How how steeply do you need to look yeah, up yeah. if how you're standing your right in front of him? <laughs> yeah. It's all about the angle of the neck. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Um, pillows help. Mm, That's mm-hmm. right. Pillows yeah. and yeah. props. Yeah. That's props, what I was yeah. thinking. Yeah. So what's next in the journey with the, like the, you got to stay on this physiotherapist uh, routine, but is there like. Is it kind of like physiotherapy? Like I just saw a physiotherapist a couple of years ago because I was fucking my back up all the time from coughing. And I saw her like four times. She gave me a bunch of exercises and I was like, all right, cool. I'm done. And I just went home and I just did those. So like, do you get to a point where you go, okay, I, I, I get it. I know the exercises. I don't need to see you anymore. Or do you think that you'll be seeing her like chronically? Um, that's a good question. So I was seeing her once a month. Now I'm seeing her once every two months. So I'm spacing it out longer. I wonder, I probably will get to a point where I would only need to see her on like a need basis. Mm-hmm. Um, like if ever. Hopefully I can progress that far, but, um, no, right now we're just like kind of doing checkpoints at our uh, appointments. Um, kind of just seeing like where I'm at, how I'm progressing, uh, if there's anything else, uh, that I need to be doing. Um, but yeah, I think, I think I could get to a point where I don't really need to see her that often. Cause yeah, I know the exercises, I have the tools and, uh, I'm like doing the work. So Mm. I had this naive thought probably about pelvic floor physiotherapists in that. And maybe you can correct me here because, you know, I know some of the things we've talked about um, previously that affect female um, anatomy is like, sometimes it seems like things physically, like there might not be anything medically wrong, but sometimes things physically can be like, like moved or adjusted. For example, I have an osteopath that I've worked with and he has told me, you know, like if I, if I've fallen ever Mm. say I like I'm running and I like trip and I fall or I land on my butt or, you Mm. know, whatever your uterus and like, I'm assuming other things can kind of like get knocked into different angles or different places. Now this is a uterus, not, not a vagina. So we're not, we're not penetrating up as far as the uterus, but, but that, uterus position can make periods more painful. Mm. So that's kind of in the context that we were talking about it. But I had this thought that, that a pelvic floor therapist, a physiotherapist could kind of, you know, get in there manually and like almost like a massage therapy therapist could do and be like, okay, there's excess tension in this particular part of your pelvic floor. Like I can, I can massage it internally. I can like apply some pressure point release or whatever in there and and sort of get things in a better, in a more aligned structure that's held there more naturally as opposed to being held there by tension. So did you ever have any of those kinds of conversations with, with the physiotherapist? Yeah, uh, I know exactly what you mean because I also see her for my back and every once in a while she'll just be like, oh yeah, you're really tense here. And she'll like take her thumb and she'll just like push on it for like 30 seconds. And I can feel the muscle relax. And she's like, okay, that knot is out. And I'm like, How? that was witchcraft. What did you yeah. do? 
Um, and so, yeah, she has kind of done that for me. Uh, during our manual exams, she'll like, she'll check like different layers of tissue. So she'll insert like maybe up to her first knuckle and she'll press down at six o'clock. Um, and usually that's my most tender spot. And yeah. so she'll have me like, while she's pressing down, she'll have me do a Kegel and then relax. And yep. I can, I can feel it when her finger is there. I relax more than if I were to just do that exercise at home. Mm -hmm. And so it feels every time I leave there, I feel amazing because yeah. I just feel so like loose and relaxed. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, she, she has suggested that like I I am able to do that with either like my own thumb or like one of the smaller dilators mm -hmm. is to just push it push it um straight down and like yeah. not, not tilting but just straight down mm -hmm. um so yeah it it kind of does like at, at the very least I don't know if it actually like physically relaxes that muscle but at the very least it makes me aware of feeling that muscle mm -hmm. and like really working hard to get it to relax and then just being aware of having it stay relaxed that's uh, for like the rest of the day that's the same technique that I've read about in terms of like preparing for uh like anal play is that same that same pressure that you're talking about where like you insert like just up to the first knuckle you press like you press in really any direction. Like you're, you're basically right on that sphincter. Like I'm going to press up for like five seconds while you try to like flex against it, like mm -hmm. kind of squeeze your butthole against it. And then when you let go, that muscle softens and then you, you do it in like all the, all the directions that you can. And it, it does soften and relax the, the, the must that sphincter, um, to allow for, for penetration. That's really, that's interesting that you can use the same sort of thing mm -hmm. um, for the vaginal opening. It's really good to know because I've started to feel some like barrier to access when it comes to penetration as well. And that it, it may be that it like coinciding with um, like just like stress or whatever, but I've noticed that, and it's interesting that it, it's not a permanent thing. It can kind of show up at some point and it can go away. And it's so common that uh, it's really good to be having this conversation because I, I almost feel like I might need to go see a pelvic floor physiotherapist myself. This is very affirming. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which I feel like there, there's probably a lot of people out there right now that are in that same boat of yeah. hearing this conversation, you know? Yeah. Agreed. Um, uh, Laura, I want to say, first of all, thank you for, thanks for the vulnerability of coming on a podcast and talking yeah. about your, your, um, pussy pain. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and you know, I, I, to sort of piggyback on what Brady was just saying, like, I, I think that this is again, considering that, uh, dyspareunia affects so many women at some point in their lives or so many people with vulvas at some point in their lives that uh, this is uh, one of those conversations that's um, really valuable to put out there to the world and to sort of uh, uh, normalize and and unpack and, you know, just put out there so and that people shame don't... shame doctors yeah, for not yeah, knowing. Yeah, yeah, and put it out there so people don't feel so alone. So 
uh, on behalf of Brian and myself and all of our listeners, thank you. This has been a real treat, and uh, and keep us posted on on how things go. You know, like you know, it, who knows? Maybe send in another brain boner one day, and we'll uh, we'll we'll make you cry again in your car with your, with your boyfriend. <laughs> Hopefully, for the right reasons. Yeah. Um, but but Absolutely. but thank you. This has been a real treat. Thanks thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I am so grateful for this. It's amazing. Thank you for doing what you do, honestly. All right, there we have it, folks. Hope you enjoyed that conversation that we just had. And uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want to support the podcast further, you can do that by leaving a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, or you can simply rate the podcast on the Spotify mobile app. And uh, if you want to uh, support the podcast even further than that, which you can. Wow. You can go to so kind and thoughtful and generous. So generous. Go to patreon.com slash turn me on to become a patron and help us uh, keep this podcast afloat. Well, if you want to reach out to us, turn me on podcast at gmail.com is always open for all of your messages. That's the best way to get in touch. If you have a question for us, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, if you have a recommendation for a guest on the show or if you just want to send us a little love note, uh, email money transfer, uh, all of that. Sex toy. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, our email inbox is open to you. That is it for this week. Until next week. Why don't you go touch yourself? Subtle results, still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.